What? I mean, what? I know, that's, really? I've never heard that before. I thought that okay, was Okay, the show just got interesting. Let's go. <laughs> All right, I'm awake again. Can I just ask, why wasn't this a part of our Planet Earth review? <laughs> yeah. I reckon. This is new information. I don't know if it's true. I'm just saying that I remember there was this rumor <laughs> when it came out. Agent Black oh. is turning into a tabloid reality show. <laughs> Why wouldn't you just record as much as you could? Yeah. It's just like a story chest of ideas. Either version. I love both versions. And other special guests. Hi, this is Larry Grant. And you're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. Hi, this is Ricky Peterson, and you're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. What's happening, Australia? This is Tony M from the New Power Generation. You're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. Hey everybody, this is St. Paul Peterson, and you're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. Hi, this is Eden Nelson, and you're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Peach and Black Podcast. We are all back again, gathered here today around this virtual roundtable for another episode, and this time we're going to go deep on some deep tracks. This is our non-album tracks review, volume three, and we're going to keep these ones going until we talk about everything that has never been released on an album, hopefully. So with that said, let me introduce the panel. It is Player. Stir it like motherfucking coffee. (laughs) Toe Jam. The voice that you hear is the alchemy of your mind. And Captain. Uh, I uh, I, I can't. (laughs) I have in my notes that I know the biggest thing in this entire thing is going to be Toe Jam talking about alchemy, and he brought it up in the first 10 seconds, so I'm good. (laughs) People are scratching their heads trying to figure that out. And it's Rob S. Yes, it's me. Used to be called MC. Now Rob S. MC. On the show. What show? The Peach and Black show. Let's do it. Let's get into it, guys. This is another installment, non-album tracks, songs that have not made an appearance on, you know, Prince's normal albums, on on his normal full-length album releases. And we're going to give you another smattering of Peach and Black goodness here when each panel member introduces a song that they've chosen that's never appeared on an album. So without further ado, let's skip all the usual Peach and Black fluff that you'll find for the first half an hour of most (laughs) Most shows, usually due to yours truly, uh, and go straight into the music, baby. So let's start this off with the man, the funky man, the horn-playing, keyboard-toting man with the master jam, Toe Jam. What's your song? All right. Well, you may have guessed it from the lyric that I chose. Uh, the song I have chosen for today is a B-side from the single Musicology, a digital single from the Musicology single, not on a CD or, or um, vinyl from 2004. This song is Magnificent. Magnificent. Uh-oh. Magnificent. 
wow, there's a song I haven't listened to for a while. <laughs> okay, so when I f- hear this song, I'm automatically transported back to living in England because I was living in England when this album came out. And I remember like going down to the internet cafe every now and then and downloading whatever Prince was releasing. And this was one of them. And then I'd burn it onto a CD and it cost me five bucks and I'd walk away <laughs> from the internet cafe with the CD with the latest single on it. So Magnificent, I'm just going to go straight into the music. The biggest disappointment about this song is that it's really lo-fi, like the quality's quite poor. It's very MP3 sounding. It's got that MP3 hiss kind of sound. I don't know exactly what you call that, but it's very lo-fi. Um, the beat is uh, very plastic. It's obviously a demo, I think. It's got that sort of Emancipation era drum machine stuff, very straightforward drum machine programming, really standard clap sounds and this sort of thing. But the song itself is kind of interesting. It's um, kind of dark and um, it's very sort of, it reminds me of like being stabbed by a knife, this song. Like everything's very sharp. <laughs> the rhythm, like the rhythm itself is dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, very sort of syncopated and um, you've got those little pizzicato strings um, you've got the chords which are very close together and it's all kind of it's like stabbing you the whole way through the song so it's kind of an interesting effect and I like the way Prince um, you know if he's got an idea for a song it's it's not just the chords or it's not just the rhythm like everything is kind of pointing in that same direction like you know, it's good composition good composing I also, also like that the song is pretty much in a minor key and it briefly goes to the relative major key in the chorus but not for too long it goes straight back to the minor key when he goes gets to that you know magnificent which is cool because it's kind of the opposite to a lot of songs a lot of songs will start in the major key then go to the relative minor and then resolve on the major key but this one's kind of the opposite it's minor key but it goes to the relative major as the sort of break so that's kind of interesting i think my favorite part in the song is the second verse when um you get that really low synthy bass sound just going burp burp like in the background it's really cool the song kind of finishes about two minutes 50 like from two minutes 50 onwards there's about 30 seconds or so where not much happens uh then there's a bridge that comes in that's kind of cool but you sort of get the feeling by two minutes 50 it's kind of done all right i'll talk about the lyrics now so i think i told you guys on a previous show i can't remember if it actually made a show but i know i told you guys once i once tried to write like a like an essay on prince's references to alchemy in his music and um this was a big thing um in the 90s starting with kind of three chains of gold then obviously you got the gold album alchemy if anyone doesn't know is the sort of philosophical slash chemical idea of turning material into gold so the idea is that it's always kind of like this hidden idea that can humans ever come up with something that could just create gold from anything and so like you know people for thousands of years have been trying to it's kind of like um you know you hear like stories of perpetual motion machines about can you make a machine that just generates free energy it's kind of like this it's like it's like this goal that humans have always tried to do and one of them's alchemy which is like trying to just take anything and be able to figure out a way to turn it into gold um so prince always has lots of references to it especially in the 90s so obviously you got the gold album three chains of gold there's loads of it and that stuff you've got stuff like in the song mad sex um the stud in your mouth turns gold you've got references in Muse to the pharaoh in this song you've got the um you know the voice that you hear is the alchemy of your mind which i think this is what kind of killed my essay is that i kind of realized that it was just kind of the odd reference now and then that's and it wasn't really anything sort of behind it all so yeah he's obviously talking about you know turning your mind into something more pure i guess that's all I really have on the alchemy stuff. Sorry to disappoint you, Captain. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, this is an interesting song. It's it's not like anything in the top 20 or 30 or 40. Like it's um, to me, this is like a mid-range print song. Um, it's got some interesting dark chords. It's just the biggest disappointment. Every time I hear it, I just think, ah, oh, it's so lo-fi. And it just kind of kills the vibe for me because I think hearing this in a full like WAV file, like a full, um, you know, the full quality 
would be a different experience, I think. I think that would be a, a different song. Uh, but yeah, that, that's my thoughts on the first song, Magnificent. It's not quite magnificent, but it's a good, enjoyable, <laughs> dark, moody Prince song. I think that's got to be the best description of a Prince song that anyone's ever said on this podcast. It's like getting stabbed over and over and over. That's just great. That's the best thing ever. Who chose this song sequence tonight? The order of reviewing these songs. I'm not sure if this was the best one to open with, but hey, who knows? (laughs) The song that stabs you to death. Anyway. I forgot a little bit more about the lyrics. Obviously, you have another major theme that Prince loves singing about, and that is kind of this reincarnation thing. You know, he talks about this um, before you were a woman, before I was a man. You know, you sort of get the impression like he sort of thinks that this man-woman attraction to each other sort of goes back way before like even the earth is around kind of thing. Like it's deep cosmic forces, this kind of thing. And there's lots of lots of that in Prince's music, especially from the 90s onwards, I think. So. Dolphin. Dolphin, yeah. You know, you had the whole thing about him and Maite being the pharaohs and all this. And it just mm. it's always around. All right. So, hmm, Captain, you started talking. I'll throw it over to you next. What do you think of Magnificent? Magnificent was released as the virtual B-side to Musicology on the 5th of April 2004. So there. This is a very forgotten track. Like, I never hear people talk about this. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the fact it never got any physical release has probably got something to do with that. It was the virtual B-side to the Musicology single. But it was weird because Musicology was also a normal released single. There were CDs, there was, I think there was vinyl, but this song didn't get onto those. It wasn't included on any physical release. It was just a strange thing. Anyway, I'm not a fan of this really drum machine based sort of songs from this era. Like 2004 was a great touring year with the massive Musicology tour. Uh, but I don't think he was particularly inspired studio-wise during this time. It's a very bare-bones instrumentation. There's a few little stabby, synthy things, but not much to speak of. Like, there's a few drum fills here and there. I guess it's all about the vocals and the lyrics, but even the vocals seem to be delivered in that sort of lazy way, which I don't like. Just on those drums and things, like it wouldn't surprise me if this is like a 98 outtake, 98, 99, that era. What do you think? Oh, yeah. It's like when I hear it, that's what I think. It sounds like New Power Soul. Like it would have fit. I think more Chocolate Invasion, Slaughterhouse type stuff. Probably a couple of years after that. But wasn't Chocolate Invasion, Slaughterhouse just a combination of the 2000 era? Like the Pretty high much, album yeah. repackaged and yeah, but that's what it sounds like. It sounds like some of those yeah, those... yeah. yeah Ninety nine, two thousand is just playing around with the drum machine. He's like, oh, it's a song. Mm. Yeah, I used to do that. <laughs> <laughs> just just write down like three sentences and go, oh, it's a song. <laughs> that's not how it works. We can review some of your ones, Captain. On when we run out of non-album Prince tracks, we have to review all the uh, oh, non-album Captain songs. I want I want to kick a football. Is just begging to be reviewed. Great. <laughs> Look, as soon as I heard the lyric, like I didn't really listen to the lyrics, but the alchemy one just stood out straight away because I remember we had a whole conversation about this years ago and Tojen brought it up and he talked about gold and all that stuff back then. So as soon as I heard that, I'm like, oh, that's going to be that's going to be what he's going to talk about. And it was the he said it in the first minute of the show. So I was I'm happy with that. But that's yeah, that's all I got to say. It's not magnificent. <laughs> it's a bit of a Oh, what's that word? Let down. It's like it's like calling a song this the song called guitar guitar because you, know, <laughs> you hear that and you're like, oh man, this you see the title, you're gonna be like, this is gonna be the best song ever. It's just gonna be guitar killing me, and then it doesn't quite live <laughs> up to the name. It's the same. It's the same with this song. It's not magnificent. 
it's it's okay. So you, it's a, I think it should have yeah. been titled mediocre. <laughs> Pulled out of the vault because I ran out of ideas this week. Yeah. Oh wow! Boom! <laughs> Drop it. There's a symbol crash. Uh, player, what do you think about this one? Magnificent. Is it? Uh, I don't think so. I'm I'm in agreement with Captain and. I guess partly toe jam. I think the beat is interesting and the hand claps and the instrumentation, but it's very cold sounding minor key jam and it's really just a beat and synth and low bass. I got in my notes, it sounds similar to the group of songs between the 2000, 2004 era, even though, you know, in between that is like the One Night Alone stuff, which is kind of more organic. But like I said, with Chocolate Invasion and Slaughterhouse, um, it's just a repackage of like the high album and 2000 era songs. So this, it definitely sounds like it's from the same sort of era and sessions. I, I just think it's a very one dimensional song for me. It doesn't really change throughout and there's no real melody or hook or interesting bridge to break it up it's just kind of yeah just kind of like this jam thing which is unusual for a b-side for a song like musicology you know real real music by real musicians and then you've got this really cold kind of very plastic sounding beat driven jam kind of thing so yeah it's it's, it's just interesting but like uh, captain said it's, it's kind of overlooked it, it doesn't really get mentioned that much so it's maybe just like an artist like kicking out his ideas you know and this was just what he was feeling on the day so it's it's interesting Hmm. okay well three out of four say it's not magnificent and potentially mediocre what a way to open this show guys (laughs) this is incredible what a high (sighs) i could pretend and kind of you know be the guy that goes you guys are all crazy this is amazing But I like can't do it. With, like you did with several songs in the past? or <laughs> No, yeah. no, no. Electric Intercourse. Le- no, I, I stand by that. No, you I don't. stand by that one. Yes, I do. <laughs> Electric Intercourse. Well, whatever whatever today is, write down the date and the time, I stand by that. And I stand by Batman as well. Uh, <laughs> man, I really don't like this beat. You guys have already panned it. Man, I don't like this production. Panned it. It doesn't do it for me at all. And I don't like the, me- whatever there is of a melody, it's a very, yeah, that just sounds like, like someone who's, who's had too much, you know, red fizzy cordial and he's just installed his first music making program. Uh, and he's just like playing around with the sequencer. Uh, and, and, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, uh, even though the lyrics are average, the rap is average, it's an experiment. And this is one of those things that I was really surprised to hear him release. You know, we we talk a lot about what's in the vault these days. I would imagine the vault is full of stuff like this, kind of half songs, demo-ish songs, things that he put together that he was playing around with. of ideas. That's right. (laughs) And uh, that's pretty much my entire review. I mean, you guys have basically said everything else there is to say about this. I just think it's an experiment just like, I mean, he's probably got hundreds upon hundreds or even thousands of pieces of music similar to this, just ideas. And this is an idea and it's a very lackluster in its execution. But the idea itself is kind of interesting. Like when I was listening to Toe Jam talk about the themes, I guess, and, and the what it could or couldn't be about. Let me put it this way. If Magnificent, the song, had the production values of the song Undisputed, from the Raven to the Joy Fantastic album, I think it could be a lot more interesting. And what I mean by that is just more care and effort taken to create a fuller, more full-bodied, 
and well-rounded sound because like this song does not hit it's actually painful to listen to like that that beat is terrible it's like a midi drum loop it's not even like full resolution <laughs> it sounds like anytime you play a, any piece of music in the world through that you know those old i i uh, ipod and um iphone earbuds they're just those standard white ones that come out have you guys have you guys ever played a piece of music on those shitty little earbuds but and like not stuck them in your ears but turn the volume up as high as it can go and then listen to it from a distance? You know what I'm talking about? Like when you listen to this like really well, and high And this sounds worse than that? This sounds like that. Like this sounds like that. The production value. So that's the disappointing thing, but I think there could be some interestingness within this song somewhere. Like there, there's something there, but it's just half baked. This was released on the MPG Music Club in 2004. And uh, at the same time, you remember the dance, the original version of the dance was released on one of those yeah. Chocolate Invasion or Slaughterhouse yeah. albums. and it also sounded like kind of crappy and like it, this. Yeah, exactly. And I just think, I wonder if Prince had the same idea with this song where it's like, oh, this is a song I want to get back to and produce properly, but I'll put it out as the demo anyway. And I think it would have been interesting to hear it redone like the way he did the dance mm. and made that song heaps better, I think. The weird thing with I mean, this track, though, is even though I don't think it's a great song, there's the rare time when I hear it, there's something familiar about it. I'm not sure if it's just me recalling the last time I heard the song from like four years ago, or if there's something in this which he's reused somewhere else. Because every time I hear this, which is not often, but every time I hear it, there's something in it. And I'm like, there's this familiar thing. And I'm not, I don't know what it is. So I don't know if he's reused something in this track somewhere else. Or I think not. I know what it might be. What? It might be one of the other songs we're doing tonight. Oh, Ooh, maybe. Who knows? But the other thing I will say about this production, and we've panned or slammed this production to death now, it's not like it's it's horrific. But for him, you know, this is the genius of modern music, the modern day Mozart we're talking about here, producer extraordinaire. It is pretty lackluster. But the thing that really sealed the deal for me in the negative sense, like it just like confirmed in my own mind that there's just nothing to see here, folks, move on was around this time, for anyone that was listening to what was like slamming on the charts in R&B and hip hop and stuff, Pharrell and like Neptune's productions around this 2002 to 2006 era, like that was some slamming music, like production values were high, but they were also very musical and really unique. And it was difficult hearing artists like that, like nerd, come up with really, really meticulously crafted beats that were also really high in resolution and high, you know, they just sounded great. And then you hear something like this by Prince and it's like, it was disappointing at the time and is disappointing now. So for the sake of this episode and for this show, I think it's a good idea to make an executive decision to move on and go to track number two. <laughs> and with that, let's go straight into it. His name is Captain El Capitan, also known as Captain Says. He's got his own podcast, folks, for God's sake. Captain, what, what song have you chosen? I don't even know about that. <laughs> My track, it's the non-album version of Guitar. I love you, baby. It was released on the 2nd of February, 2007, and now I'm going to talk. This was sort of released as a single. It was available for purchase on 3121.com, MP3 download, almost six months before the album Planet Earth came out. And there is artwork for it. There was artwork. But this is fairly different from the album version. On the other hand, the 
actual album version was also put out as a single about six weeks before the album was released. But that's the album version. And I wanted to review this one and not comparing to the actual album version, but I just, I couldn't do it. So I tried to just not do it too much. This one, I like this one. This sounds more light and poppy than the album version. The effect on the vocal isn't ideal. It's sort of like this fluffy thing that comes in and out, but that adds to the lightweight fluffiness of the track. It's a nice little guitar solo, but this is where the album version is much better. The guitar solo on that, it's much more fully formed as he does when he nails a guitar solo for a track. This is just a very basic idea. But see, this was the thing that I like about the ease with which he could just throw a track out on this new fancy thing called the internet. Like in the old days, we had to wait for a B-side of a single or something. But once the internet was here, these sort of things became more and more common. And Magnificent was one of them. And this, he's just threw it out, like just after he recorded it, which was great. So it's a good track. I'm still on the fence, which is better. I like this early, this non-album version, but yeah, they've both got pros and cons, so I'll, I'll leave it there. All right, all right, all right. Mr. Player, what do you think of guitar non-album version? Yeah, I kind of refer to this as the demo version. For a track that's called Guitar, there's so little of it. Like in the sense that like I would expect more, like it to be like really sort of screaming guitar in it. But like Captain said, it is kind of like a light poppy version. It's a definitely a light version of the Planet Earth track. And, um, you know, it sounds demoish. The drums are kind of weak. And, and yeah, the thing that stands out for me is that annoying panning of the vocal with the flange on it. Especially when you're listening to it on headphones, it like really sort of stands out. And it just it just detracts from the song. Like you focus, like for, for myself, I focus on it too much and then it just starts to annoy me, which I think is disappointing. I don't know why, you know, that decision was made to put that effect on the vocal. The thing I do like about this track is the solid ending on this, then that fade out that's on the Planet Earth version. I think it just rounds it out nicely. And if I know he's played guitar live plenty of times, but I don't think he ended it the way he does on here. I can't remember. But yeah, I don't like to, like Captain says, I don't like to compare it to the, the final version, but I do kind of favor the Planet Earth version. And it's mainly because of that vocal more than anything. That weird effect is not on the album version, is it? I don't remember, but I don't think so. No, it's not. No. So the vocal effect on here seems to be a bit of an issue. Maybe that just <laughs> came through because it was just such a crappy low bit rate. <laughs> it just made everything sound lo-fi, just like Magnificent did. Yeah, I don't know. I've, of, I've <laughs> often wondered about whether or not Prince like put out songs or, or recorded songs like Magnificent and Guitar Non-Album Version, which we're talking about now, and like he heard them through those incredible speakers and, and modules. Billion-dollar sound awesome. system. Yeah, and he's like, man, wait till you hear this. And then some kid is listening to them on like loud on the cheapest piece of shitty Apple earbuds going, <laughs> man, this sounds crap. And again, you know, and then someone like a Pharrell or a, who was big at that time? Was it was Timberland? Yeah, I guess Timberland was probably doing player. I'm, I'm looking looking at my, my man player here to back me up. Oh, yeah, most definitely. I think people like Timberland and stuff were probably big around that time. And, and, and their production was freaking like it just slammed like you play those those records or even dr dre stuff you play that stuff even today and it's just whack yeah, like but, everything is just like a you whack. can't compare a track from one of their fancy produced albums to a random track prints through on the internet four days after that's true. you recorded it that is true 
most likely yeah. wasn't even mastered as Morris was telling us. He's like, eh, it sounds good enough. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in the million dollar studio, right? So, yeah, that sounds fine in there. It's good. Yeah. Good to go. There you go. Well, I will have to agree with player on on the vocals they're just annoying the the, the flanger it's like someone just found the flanger button going flanger yeah bang, bang, bang. <laughs> flanger. let's see let's see what this that was my best captain impression that yeah it's my... like someone's at the desk going left right left right left right left right, left right. <laughs> yeah so the production values as well then they're, they're not great the weird thing about this track especially comparing it to the fully formed version of the song guitar that was released on planet earth is that this non-album version is kind of lacking energy like there's no grit that's clear but there's no energy as well nothing's really propelling it the beat just sounds like a stock beat it's a little bit cartoonish and i say cartoonish i think mainly because of the comments that player made around the vocals and even some of captain's comments about what was happening with the production and the vocals as well this cartoonish to me and it's very underwhelming and i was like like you guys as well when i first heard this song just based on the title i like i wasn't sure whether it was going to be a studio track or whether it was just going to be a guitar solo maybe he was going to do something like zappa like you know guitar and then like guitar number two and then eventually he would release something called guitar 1068 just like random guitar solos but no (laughs) we got this really plastic disinfected uh, underwhelming piece of pop music which again for any other artist I'm not saying this would be a fantastic song, but it would be passable. But because Prince has such a high bar, he almost has this unfair scrutiny placed on him. And we certainly do our fair share of that. But it's just there's just nothing to it. And I'm like you guys. If you give me Planet Earth, I'll take the Planet Earth version of this song. I'll take that over this without batting an eyelid. Uh, Let's see. Again, yeah. you've got Magnificent. You've got this track. This is just something... He decided whether he thought himself, you know, this is just not quite good enough to get on an album. And he's just Mm -hmm. like, I've got this internet thing. I'll just chuck a track out there. Yeah, I guess on that point, though, on the internet thing, didn't he release this? And then also there was a bit of a, like fans were were divided. And there was a lot of, I think from memory, there was a forum of some sort around this time. I just get the feeling or the from my memory that, Maybe he had received some feedback from the fan community around this track. I'm not sure. Maybe I'm getting confused with another piece of music. But I mean, the final released version of this song on the Planet Earth album is very different to this. If that's true, if he he put this out and then, you know, just say it was Housequake or Prince.org and everyone talked about this track when it came out saying, oh, the guitar solo is not that great and it needs this, it needs that. And then he read all that. And then, you know, a few weeks later re-recorded the track taking what he wanted to on board and then put out the better version of this on that's to me that's crazy it's really if that's cool true. Yeah. if that's true yeah that's not a common thing to do that's really cool it'd be like him listening to our show and then doing something off the back of that yeah which he yeah <laughs> which he did <laughs> we have to record that show <laughs> oh. okay uh toe jam the floor is yours what do you think of guitar non-album version I like this version. I don't like it better than the album version, but I do like it. One thing no one's talked about yet is um, the lyrics. And there's been a lot of speculation that this song is basically about Prince kicking Tamar out of the band. You know, he's been. (gasps) uh, What? What? I've never heard that before. I thought that was. Okay, the show just got interesting. Let's go. What are the lyrics? 
All right, I'm awake again. Okay, well, let's find the lyrics then. Okay, Toe Jam, can you do something that I don't think we've ever done on this show, if you don't mind, and read the lyrics, the full lyrics? I don't think there's okay. that many of them. Can I just ask, why wasn't this a part of our Planet Earth review? <laughs> yeah, I reckon. This is new information. I don't know if it's true. I'm just saying that I remember there was this was rumored when it came out. <laughs> we just start, we're like TMZ. Agent Black is turning into a tabloid reality show. <laughs> Don't compare us to those guys. Okay, here we go. So lyrics, here we go. You're getting dirty at the club again. I'm usually around your waist like a chain, but then I got that call, so I jumped in my car. I love you, baby, but not like my guitar. You couldn't do it all by yourself. You had to go and get somebody else. Now, that's the big lyric because remember Uh, one of the reasons why Prince supposedly stopped doing the Tamar album was because she started, she was getting impatient. This this is the rumor. I remember, I don't know if this is true or not, but I remember the rumor was that the reason he stopped working on it was because she was getting impatient with it. And so she started taking the songs to other producers to help finish and this sort of thing, uh, which is when, when that happened, Prince is like, done not happen so like you know that lyric you couldn't do it all by yourself you had to go get someone else um you're high enough to call me but you can't reach the bar i love you baby but not like my guitar but i love you you i tried to warn you that it's hard to be a star especially when you're driving other people's car um i would have gave you mine girl but you took it too far i love you baby but not like my guitar so i mean it could be one of those things where it's not directly you know i'm singing against tamar but it's like kind of inspired and he's sort of thinking about that so wow. you guys didn't know that, really? I just thought that wow. was common knowledge that the lyrics were <laughs> probably about him kicking Tamar out. <laughs> I thought it was about a guitar. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me get let me get to the music now. It's very synthy. It sort of reminds me of the B-52s a bit. The vocals are very watery, as we said. It kind of sounds to me like not quality-wise, but in terms of sonically, it sort of reminds me of like Dream Factory kind of stuff. Like, um, this would be the kind of thing, if this turned up on like uh, a third generation cassette tape, everyone would be, and was labeled 1986, everyone would be losing their mind. It's a crazy dream factory outro. I like his vocal, like in the album version, he's very, he's he's aggressive with the vocal, but this one he's kind of like cool and he's with the out of care and he's like, eh, whatever, you know, I'm moving on. Um, you got this very light, like keyboard, ding, 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 just running through the whole song. That's kind of cool. The other thing that people always talk about when this song comes on is the chorus, not like I love my guitar, is the same rhythm and the same kind of notes as back in the USSR from Paul McCartney. Ah. And I remember there's a lot of people always say, oh, Prince kind of ripped off that song, but I don't think he's done it intentionally. I think it's just one of those things. It's a catchy thing. And it's not surprising that someone like Paul McCartney and Prince would come up with something that's sort of catchy, given that they're known for writing catchy songs. The guitar solos are weird. The first guitar solo, like for a song like guitar, it's just a weird solo. It's more like sound effects. It's sort of, he does a bend and then he slides up and it's, it's not melodic at all. It's just kind of weird. It's nothing. It's really just place filler until he comes up with one. It's just nothing. There's nothing there. I do like the outro guitar solo where it starts panning around and it's more of a clean, like a distorted guitar sound. He starts doing more of those classic kind of bluesy guitar lines kind of thing. That's kind of cool. And I just like the bit towards the end where he's singing the lyrics and he's just like, ah, you know the rest. And then there's like a big crash (laughs) and you get that big synth note coming in. That's a nice moment. So yeah, guitar demo. I mean, this is a demo song. Like, you know, he would have done this in like maybe an hour or two. Just he had an idea. Let's put it down. I'll come back to that one day and finish it. And you know, a lot of the times he didn't, but obviously with this one, he did. I think it's good to hear both versions as, you know, Prince fans to hear that creative process, I think. Now, Captain, you said this was released in February 2007, right? Yeah, it's a weird thing because... What's the date? Was it before or after the Super Bowl? That's what I want to know. 2nd of February, 2007. Oh, it would have been before. So this would have been the song leading into the Super Bowl. Mm. Kind of weird when you can see, he, you know, he thrashed the guitar on the Super Bowl. Uh, so it's kind of interesting that he puts out this lightweight, very... 
guitar-less guitar song. It was released to coincide with his appearance on the Super Bowl halftime show on the 4th of February. Yeah. So it's released a couple of days before. Wow. You know what else as well? This song was recorded after the Planet Earth version. Yeah, that's the thing I was going to say. Really? Now see if your mind's blown. That actually makes sense because it's got Michael B and Sonny T and they were recording 2005, weren't they? 2004, 2005, yeah. It sounds like the version on Planet Earth was recorded whenever and he just chucked it in the vault and forgot about it. And then at some point he's like, oh, I'm going to do that song again. But But then he might not have even gone back and listened to the original. He's just like, I'm just going to re-record this like from my memory. And this is how it came out. That begs the question then about the lyrics, because that obviously if the lyrics were there originally, it can't be about Tamar. Boom. Ah. Okay. Refuted. Done. However, this is like a Louis Theroux podcast. It's Mythbusters. Mythbusters. (laughs) (laughs) However, I'm pretty sure those jams, like those Michael B. Sonny T. Prince jams from 2004, 2005, they were basically instrumental. And that's where you got songs like 3121, Uh, um, Wall of Berlin, that kind of stuff. And the vocals. Lyrics came later. True. Lyrics came later. later. Because Michael Uh B. and Sonny T., they said. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Boom. They said. (laughs) <laughs> they did say they recorded like a half day or one day session where all the those basic tracks were laid down. So yeah, you're right. I mean, it's unlikely that he was singing the lyrics as well, right? But we don't know. Mm. We'll never know. Speculation, conjecture. Tamar, he would have been married. If you're listening, come and let us know. <laughs> you know what's also interesting about that lyric? You're high enough to call me, but you can't reach the bar. I always used to think for some reason I was like, that's a, it's just the song doesn't make sense. Like, is she like drunk? and she's tall enough but she can't reach the bar like where they serve alcohol and i'm like and i can never understand it and i know that's a very stupid way of looking at the lyrics now because the lyrics are most likely (laughs) suggesting that you can't reach the bar as in you can't reach that level right yeah Yeah. yes and i always took that a completely different way uh i'm I'm not ashamed to admit it and now it all makes sense okay keep going done that's it toe jam's done Yep. It's crazy. The history of all these of all this music, it's just uh, very, very odd. Why would you take a... Yeah, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> next, next piece of music. <gasps> Ooh, it's me. Bring it on. Okay. The Rob S. Selection of the Day. Rob, where are you? I'm here. What is it? The song is called Pope. Oh, fuck it. I say you can be the president. This is a non-album track that can only be found on the Hits the B-Sides compilation from 1993. So get out your CDs and your booklets. 14th of September, 1993, it came out. Yeah, so that's when the song was actually released. It was obviously recorded prior to then. And uh, this is a funny, strange little song. Allegedly, it was recorded not too long before the hits and b-sides compilation came out but uh, i don't want this show to be a downer <laughs> i really don't so i'll start off with all the things that i really like about this track the first thing i i really enjoy about listening to this song is not even the song itself but just my memories the memory of listening to the hits uh, I think this is on disc two, so the hits two. And this was like a period of my life when I was literally wearing out those CDs. And because I was so familiar with Prince, you know, hits, this song was this really weird. There was there was a few of them. There was Peach, there was Pope. Uh, other songs were on that compilation, but this one kind of stands out because 
I think it's one of the strangest songs he's ever recorded. It's just like this weird mix of new Jack infused beats and sounds with some really, really corny lyrics, like really corny lyrics. But at the same time, I'm going to go on record saying that this is possibly his best rap attempt. Like I'm talking about delivering the lines. Like he is fully rapping here, like proper. What I'm this is what I'm getting at. If you isolated Prince's rap, his vocal, isolate his vocal track, and you put this over a better produced song, this is like top notch, top notch rapping. So yes, it's got some cool one liners, especially the one about dope. You know, you can be the side effect. I'll be the dope or I can be the dope. That kind of stuff is cool. But it's just a weird song. Maybe I think it's weird because it doesn't fit on the album that I heard it on, which is the hits too. Because you've got all this other classic material from other eras and then all of a sudden, y'all don't understand. (laughs) And this really thick, fat beat comes down and off we go. Yeah, I've never really been a huge fan of it, I have to admit. But at the same time, every time it comes on, I just think of being a much younger version of myself jamming those hits and b-sides cuts and uh, that puts a smile on my face so there we go that's me toe man i mean toe jam go (laughs) i don't have a lot to say about this song this is kind of similar to magnificent in that it's got that tinking keyboard thing that dun 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 that sort of goes through it that's maybe what captain was thinking of before i don't know um the thick beat is very 90s Uh, it's really that kind of big beat thing hasn't really dated that well i don't think you got the mate Maite um, sample going ah, ah, all the way through. That gets really annoying. Oh, is that is that her? I was gonna say whoever's on the vocal sounds hot as hell. Yeah, it's that's good. hot. Hell. Oh, she sounds yeah. good. Like I, I like in the chorus how like she's singing just the, the straight bit. You know, you can be the president, and he's kind of playing around with the vocal a bit more. But just that that sample that ah, always gets annoying. <laughs> I think <laughs> um, some nice low synthy airy sounds. There's some comedy show samples or some movie sample. I don't know what it is, but yeah, I don't even back. know the joke. Okay, I don't even know what the jokes are half the time. It's from it's from the <laughs> Russell Simmons Deaf Comedy Jam. There we go. Specifically Bernie Mac, I think. Yeah. There's a lyric in there about crooked little sticks and playing with his dick. Um, <laughs> and actually, I like, I like that when that lyric comes on that the I think it's my tag and goes dick. Like what? What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> uh, it's very monotonous. Um, I don't know. There's really not much to it. It's just it's a beat with a rap and a, and a slightly catchy chorus, I guess. The dope lyrics kind of interesting. You know, he's is he being the dope as in sort of the the loser, or is he being the dope as in you know the 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 stuff that makes you high kind of thing. You could read it either way. Uh, I mean, the the lyric about the Pope himself, it's sort of irrelevant to the song. It's like he'd rather be the Pope. What does that even mean? Like, you, like you see the song Pope, and you think it's going to be a you know a, a song about I don't know religion or. I don't know. It's just it's just the lyrics don't sort of match the title. Uh, I'm going to leave it there because there's not much more to say. I think this is pretty skippable, probably in my least favorite 20 or 30 songs, I guess. I mean, it's just you skip it. Oh, my God. Wow. 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 Okay. Player. Player's got to love this, right? New Jack Swing, baby, hip hop. <laughs> Come on. Save it. Save it. Do it. Do it. Just to tell Jim's point about the title or the, the you can be the president, I'd rather be the Pope. I just see that as... You can be political, but I'd rather be religious. That's the way I, mm, I kind of yeah. read it. You know, that's like his standpoint. Like you'd rather have a religious view on something than a political view. I don't know. That's that's the way I read it. Yeah, this song isn't too bad. Like the production sounds loud and 
boombastic. It's very digitally clear. It sounds very cleanly recorded. There's lots of little incidental sounds going on in the background, little digital glitch noises and lots of cool stuff if you have a, if you pay attention to the background. Um, I agree with MC. Prince's rap isn't bad for the delivery part. It's it's I agree. It's probably one of his uh, more impressive rap efforts. The synths are very light and breathy. I, I, I really like those in the, in the track. There's heaps of record scratching on this. I think it's really overused on, on this track. Hmm. Trying you know, too I mean, hard? Yeah, I think it's just a bit too much. Like, I mean, there was record scratching in, like, songs in that era, but I think this is just, like, overkill. Really loving the mix. There's this really cool xylophone sound. I really like that. I like the Bernie Mac samples. You can actually, I think you can go on... From memory, you can go on YouTube and, you know, watch the actual um, stand-up comedy of, of, you know, the stuff that he samples in this track. I mentioned one of them at the start of this show, Stir It Like Motherfucking Coffee and I Ain't Scared of You Motherfuckers and all that sort of stuff. Now, the, the next album that came after this technically was Come. And I don't know if this was designed for the Come album because it's a one-track title like every other track on that album. It was just like a one-word title like this, Pope. I haven't looked into it, but I don't know if an early configuration would include this on that album. So, And Peach uh, as well? Possibly, yeah. Mm. That's a, Both that's another... songs would fit seamlessly on, on the Come album, sonically. Like... Yeah. There's also, I don't know if you guys pick it up, but I pick it out up every time I play this song. There's a doorbell sound. It's the last verse where he says, put your little ass in the grave and every time you want it. Right in between there, it's about 225, 226. There's this ding dong sound really low in the background. If you listen to it, like if you pick it up, it's like once you hear it, you can't unhear it because every time I listen to this song, I always hear that doorbell sound. It's just like I hear it every single time. Pizza. So, yeah, it's it's like that. It's like that ding dong, like someone someone's at the door kind of thing. But yeah, it's like one of those things that are just in the background that's part of the mix and you just pick up on. But yeah, it's it's a it's a cool track. It doesn't it doesn't really bother me this track. I don't think it's Prince's best or worst track. It's just just pretty cool. It's funny when you talk about how heavy the production is and how heavy handed it is and all this sort of stuff with the um uh, scratching or whatever. I agree with you, but at the same time. Imagine hearing um, the song Magnificent, the, the song that ToeJam introduced at the beginning of our show, with this sort of thick production. Like, how could he do this in 93 and then 11 years later not be able to create a fuller mix? Uh, I just, you got to scratch your head. I mean, that's why we love this guy, because he makes crazy decisions. And some of them, the ones that don't work, <laughs> you just, like, forget about. And the ones that work, you're like, oh my gosh, like no one else on planet Earth could possibly do that. But anyway, I can hear Captain laughing in the background. Are you laughing because of the Pope? I can't believe some of the things you've been saying. This is Me? great. This is great. I mean, it's it's pretty rare for Prince to just put out a, you know, a pretty much straight rap track. Now, I don't know that much about rap, but this seems like your pretty standard rap song. It's got the female vocal on the chorus, guy rapping the verses, it's definitely similar to other like early to mid nineties tracks that I heard around that time. And like when I first heard this, I really liked it and I still do. Not just because having Prince rap on record was pretty rare anyway. I mean, this came after the Love Symbol album where we had the flow and Prince <laughs> singing that, which I think is also another great rap that he did. But that's sort of a, I don't know, this seems better somehow. Even though I like the flow more, this somehow seems like a better standard rap track that you could play on the radio and people wouldn't be laughing but it's it's got a standard big beat and it's got the samples from bernie mac but it's pretty bare bones 
instrumentation again, even though it is really produced. I mean, apart from the drums, I just hear this little like marimba type sound and a few synthy stabs here and there. More stab, more stabbing. And, and that's about it. But I love all the samples. Mr. Hayes used to play them all the time at just random times during shows. There's always funny stuff. Great, memorable lyrics. I like the taste of unpredictable licks. Come on. A loop is a loop is a loop. What, 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 a, what a line is that? If that doesn't just blow your mind, what else will? I don't know. It's crazy. <laughs> I don't know about blowing my mind. <laughs> a loop is a loop is a loop. It's a circle. It just keeps going. It's, oh, man, it's crazy. And also, I like the line which a lot of people said, oh, this is Prince, like, advocating. You know, you can come and record my shows. Anytime you want it, I'll be live. Bring your dat. I mean, computer, when it's over, press save. Great line. Yeah, that is good. Yeah. And this was around... Now, this was just before Interactive came out. And, you know, he was doing all these after shows and main shows in 93, like Act 2 tour. And he was singing Pope live at a bunch of those shows. And he was saying this. And for a short time, it seemed he didn't really care if you recorded those shows, which was a crazy thing for us to understand. But anyway, this is a good song. It's a great song. Next. A good song and a great song. Yes, both together. That's how good it is. Actually, I've got a couple of more things. This song got some radio play in Australia, and all those samples that have all the swearing in it, like people didn't really pick up on it. I don't know how that how that happened, but yeah. So it was uncensored. Is that what you mean? Yeah, it's just like people didn't pick up that there was swearing in it. Hmm. There's I lots of songs like that, though. Hmm. I can't think of any other Prince song, but there's probably plenty of examples where he repeats the first verse as the last verse. The Yukago mags. Oh, yeah. Like, that's very unusual. That'd be dippy dippy dough. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's very unusual, especially one for a rap song. Usually, like, they don't repeat the same thing twice within the song. But also for Prince, I don't see him... It's almost like he got to the end of the song and like, oh, how am I going to finish this? I'll, I'll just repeat the first verse again. It's, I think that it's just a very unusual. Well, he, say, he says it in the song. A loop is a loop is a loop. That's what he did. <laughs> Yeah, it just went back to the start and just kept going. Yeah, that is not normal for him to do. I mean, I'm, he probably has done it, but I, yeah, I can't think of... Yeah, I can't think, of, like, off the top of my head. I'm sure we're going to get everything sent to us on social media. Come on, bring it on. Send hate mail to Instagram. Is it DNA player? <laughs> <laughs> That's the one. All right, Pope done. The next song, the fourth song on this non-album review show he is going to be selected by a man. He's a funky man. He likes to play around. He likes to play games. He's a player. What is the song? Let's keep it with uh, the 93 hits B-sides. Let's pluck a, a track from, from that album, but it's not from that era. It's from 1988, and of course I'm speaking of Pink Cashmere. I'm making you a From my knowledge, Pink Cashmere was recorded in around June 1998. 88. Yes, sorry. You're right. (laughs) I'm just, my brain's not functioning. He's blushing. He's blushing because of the song. He's so emotional. Wait a minute. Are you saying that Pink Cashmere was a new power soul outtake? (laughs) (laughs) I wish. I wish. (laughs) Imagine new power soul production on this jam. Oh, God. Uh, So this was recorded in June 1988. 
And when you think about that, the Love Sexy album dropped in May of 88. So one month after the release of Love Sexy. And for me, it's really kind of a continuation of that vibe. It does have that Love Sexy sound about it. Well, at least I think it does. I really love this track. I can't even formulate words. It's more of a a feeling, this song. Make some sounds instead. (laughs) I won't go that far. But um, like the beat is like really sort of... What's the word? Like snapping and direct. Like the snare is really, the drum programming is great. There's this uh, cool acoustic guitar that runs through it right up into the end where you've got that climactic guitar solo with the electric guitar. And of course, that guitar tone that he was using in that era that I really, really love. And just lyrically, it's just a really beautiful song. I mean, there's a few girls that have come forward and said, he's written this about me. So it's debatable as to who it's actually written for, but... This is probably in my like top five or top 10 Prince tracks. It's just an amazing, like all of this, like the songwriting, the instrumentation, everything is just from like one guy. Like it's not a band thing. It's like he's written it all. He's played it all. It's like for a girl, like the ultimate mixtape, like guys would just put together tracks and give it to a girl. Like this guy writes it, performs it, you know, for, for his girl. It's just, it's just amazing. There's just so much about this song and I can't even, like I said, I can't even formulate it into words. So maybe I should give it over to you guys. Maybe you guys can help me out. I just don't want to hear you make some noises. (laughs) Shut up. Okay. Who's next? Captain, do you like Pink, Cashmere, the song? This is a song. uh, Actually, yeah, this was on the hits B-sides, but it was released as a single two weeks before that album came out. It was a single. That's something. But after, yeah, about five years sitting in the vault, it's finally released on the Hits B-Sides. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I definitely have some memory of talking about this track before. And I went back and I checked through like the B-Sides shows and it's not there. So I don't know, but I'm sure we've talked about this before somewhere. It could be our Claire Fisher dedication after he passed. We did a show dedicated to Claire Fisher and this could have been in there. I was thinking either that or maybe in that, the top 20 90s tracks. I can't remember. We talked about it somewhere. Anyway, this song, wow, great. Even at over six minutes, it always feels like it just flies by. It doesn't seem like it's that long. Now, I'm not a huge fan of the ballads, but this is definitely one of the best ones that he did. The vocals are just on point all the way through. None of that lazy vocal delivery here. Even though it's falsetto, there's definitely something behind it, like passion. You know, there's something There's something there. It's not just a blah track. And the vocal layering and the harmonies that he does and all that, oh, it's amazing. Like whatever, whatever's behind it, it's, it's working on this track. And Claire Fisher's contributions and the, the synth parts, they're just great. Like there's never a bad word about anything Claire Fisher ever did. I don't, I don't think any of us has ever said anything bad about his work. It's just that good. 435, you've got that big build-up to the guitar solo, and it's just so good. And the, the interplay between the guitar and those strings is just so nice. Now, what I can say now, which we wouldn't have mentioned previously, is this is very similar to what Prince was trying to do with Baltimore. Mm. You remember he was talking about a whole new Minneapolis sound, a whole way new way of doing things, and it was interplay between guitar and strings and stuff like that. And this is a perfect example of it. And it's on Baltimore as well. Mm -hmm. But I listened to this here and I'm like, this is exactly what he was talking about on that track. 
except that it's a little bit different. Because I think that new Minneapolis sound, he was saying he was going to take like orchestral stuff or guitar solos and just take them and then like rap music around them. Whereas here, he actually had the basic tracks and then puts orchestral stuff over the top, right? But then there's all that the interplay with the strings the interplay, and the guitar. Yeah. The inter- it's a bit yeah. more arranged than, yeah. I was just going to say, like, uh, with, you know, with the interplay between the guitar and the, it's a bit more thought out. It's not like, oh, just put, you know, strings over the top. There's there's more thinking going on, I think. Yeah, it's like yeah. a call and response between the two. Yeah. And you've got those, the guitar notes right near the end, 550 to six minutes. They're just perfect. And the sound of that guitar just kills me every time. Yeah. 100%. Player said it's got that love sexy sound, especially on that outro. It is so love sexy. Just the, that's like the same synths, the same sounds. And um, maybe it's when two are in love, you know, there's like that weird synth little interlude. It's exactly that same synth sound, I'm sure. I'm sure when he recorded this, like, you know, just after Love Sexy came out, he's like, oh, damn it. Why couldn't I have recorded this four months ago and put it on the album? But too late now. I was going <laughs> to say in my notes, um, if Love Sexy is my favorite album, tied with 99 and if there's any way you could make this out that album better it's swapping when two are in love for this can you imagine yep. that yep oh man that'd be an interesting listening experience have you actually done that yet no do it <laughs> i will <laughs> do it but this is a great track up there one of the best ballads he did and uh, after the the other three tracks we weren't they weren't amazing so it's good to do one that were i think i'm sure most of us are going to say it's a bloody great track you never know we're only halfway there. MC hates it. Four out of ten. Rob S. Will, <laughs> Rob S. will choose to remain silent and he will throw the ball. Pass the puck to Mr. Toe Jam. What do you think about Pink Ashmi? You said puck, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think this is an amazing song. Uh, I mean, any given day, this could be on my top ten songs. It's The vocal to me is this, like, unbelievable. The lead vocal, the background vocals are just unbelievable. Do yourself a favor if you've never done it before. Listen to this song and just think to yourself, all I'm going to concentrate on is the background vocals and you'll be in for a treat. There's so much cool stuff going on. I think this is kind of the sequel to Alexa de Paris, which was an orchestral song with a big guitar solo in it. But I've always felt like Alexa de Paris wasn't quite as clean and as tight as it could have been. And this like takes that idea and just makes it so clean and crisp. It, this just sounds so good. Like that drum beat, it's um, it's so circular and that little slight phase on the hi-hats, it's just perfect. Yeah, circular is a good word for that drum beat. It just sort of just keeps rolling along and the guitars with it, it just keeps going. It's so good. In the 80s, Prince was the absolute master at that. Drum machines, those sort of circular beats, whether it's you know a funky fast song or a slow ballad, like he just had a way of coming up with these really interesting drum beats, little mm. slight subtle things that were going on. Claire Fisher, like, you know, we've all said it. What can you say? Like, that guy was a master. And to have, you know, the master arranger joining Prince, the master composer in the vocals and guitars and stuff, it's just unbelievable. That big suspended chord before he gets into the guitar solo, it also happens earlier in the song as well without the guitar, just that hits that five chord and just hits there. And it's just, it's such a relief when it gets to that main part there. As it's building, you've got these, the hand claps start coming in on two and four and you get the background vocals just singing, coat of pink. Cashmere and Prince over the while that's just repeating. Prince is just going all over the place with the vocal. You know, you know, I'm gonna show you, I'm gonna do it. Just doing all that stuff. Really cool. One of my favorite moments in this song is the way he sings that bit 
where he's just done all this sort of screaming bit and then he's sort of softening up and he's like each and every hour, like the way he hits those notes, just pinpoint. And he's just got like a split second to get those notes in and he's just bang straight on them. It's so good. Something I heard today that I'd never heard before. And I'm like, can this be? Can this be? At 4.22, if you listen carefully, you will hear a trumpet with a um, Harmon mute. Just play one note. Huh? That's all it is. And I'm thinking, what the hell is that note there for? It's just this one trumpet note. Huh? I'm thinking, is that Miles Davis? I'm thinking, oh, man, could that be? Because it's just this one note. And what the hell is this one note doing there? Go back and listen to it. I had to listen to it three times to make sure I wasn't just hearing things. Where, where is it? Where is it again? For what? 422. I, th- I think from memory, what you're talking about, I hear it as a synth chord. It's not a chord. It's, def- it's definitely just one note. Just But is it but, a horn or a synth? I'm pretty sure it's a Harmon muted trumpet. Okay. I know my Harmon muted trumpets. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Don't start to dream a bit. I mean, would he really get Atlanta Bliss into the studio just to record that one note? I mean, the other alternative is that it did have like a horn like Atlanta Bliss, like he does in um, Power Fantastic or something. And then it's just been edited out. And for whatever reason, that little one note's just made the cut. Uh, but it's maybe Go back and listen. Maybe Atlanta Bliss was there and Prince was like, oh, Matt, play a Miles Davis line. And Matt's like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, what's that? Um, Just like that track, Crucial. There's one version with this massive guitar solo. There's another version, no guitar solo, just a horn solo. So maybe there is another version of this with yeah. a horn there. It could be, I reckon. It could be something like that. Just a note that's hung over from and they haven't picked it up. Uh, anyway, this has got um, a little lick that Prince loves to use that da 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 five, six, one, two, one. Like he does that in Diamonds and Pearls, does in this song, lots of songs. There's a song from the Prince album from 1979. He uses that little riff, very common riff he uses. The guitar solo, we talked about this at the end with the Claire Fisher, the call and response. Um, there's like some synth parts. There's synth strings going on with the Claire Fisher strings there. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Prince has originally done it with the synth strings and then he's yeah. got Claire Fisher to overdub that and make it thicker. And it sounds so good. He has, yeah. It reminds me of um, Glam Slam. It has the same sort of effect on some of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, really good. Apparently, the, the original had um, the synths and then when it got put on the 93 release, it got overdubbed with Claire. Cool. Well, it sounds great either way. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's really good. You got the big guitar solo that just amazing soaring notes, and then it starts to build down, and you think, oh, the song's starting to fade away now. But then he comes in with this other like on the guitar, and it's, it's so like you know the song's dying, but he's like, no, I'm still, I'm still working on this cashmere. <laughs> chords of Pink Cashmere. It's just basically three chords. There's a little bit of a change at some point, but um, what I like about this song, you know, Prince loves doing these these three chord songs like. You know, Jimmy Baby, Scandalous, Pink Cashmere, it's Aceable, you know, two or three chords that just kind of rotate around and around and around and around. So these three chord uh, songs that Prince does, it's just interesting that the, the first one is a minor chord and then it finishes on, on the one chord, but it's sometimes he, adds, sometimes he has the major seven, sometimes he has the bluesy uh, flat seven. So it's just kind of interesting and then it gives it a bit more grit sometimes. So it's uh, not like, it's not as... Majory sounding as say something like um, Doomy Baby or Insatiable. It's, it's got a bit more balls to it, which is good. <laughs> I mean, the guitar solo, he's got that flat seven sometimes. Yeah. Just, like I said, it gives a bit more balls. So it's not too happy. So good. This is like just unbelievable song. So crisp. The vocals are amazing. Everything. I've said everything about three times each. So I'll leave it there. Amazing song. Wow. Three out of three ain't bad. All right. Well, hang on. We've gonna... we got we to gotta, we gotta pray we don't get burnt now with MC. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't worry about it. MC's not going to burn you. Rob S might. 
But Ray MC, <laughs> look, a lot has been said about this song. And for years, I absolutely loved it, was in love with it. And I think as a piece of music, it's it's one, one of the most stunning. Uh, he's just got so much music that it's kind of difficult to say, oh, it's one of the most stunning things he's ever put out there. But as far as really lush, poppy goodness, this has got to be up there as his like the cream, the creme de la creme, top shelf material. It is from start to finish an incredibly immersive listen. And it's also really, really emotional. Not a, not emotional, emotive. It, it really tugs on different kind of aspects of what the song is about. And it's clearly a love song. But there's also this tension and release throughout the song, most stunningly with the guitar playing and the guitar solo, the explosive guitar solo about two-thirds of the way through this song. So much goodness, like the classic Lin Drum-inspired beat and rhythm, fantastic. Prince has got his falsetto Mac on. This is his style. This is like, it's just Prince Mac is pretty much the best way I can put it. This is him in his element. You can just imagine him in a studio singing the the vocal, like the lead vocal, and then singing all the accompaniments and all the different parts. Like he has to play them with all the ranges, whether it's tenor, soprano, baritone, all that kind of alto. He has to play all that using his voice. Like he has to account for every element. It feels like he's done that here. The background vocals that Tojan was talking about, it's not just that they're really involved and really kind of lush and intricate. They're very intricate, but they're intricate because he's covering, I think, almost all ranges, possibly, at least of his voice. And so it just gives this really thick sound, but it's very sweet. There's a sweetness there as well. So just this song's got everything going for it. Then you've got the sparse romantic ballad feel with this, like I said, the sweet strings and the very cinematic arrangement, as always, by Claire Fisher and his uh, orchestra. And of course, we spoke about that being overdubbed. But the interesting thing about this song is that not only do they overdub the orchestral strings over the top, but as far as I can hear, they don't remove the synth parts. They're still in there in the mix. So it's this great combination of synth lines that replicate what's going on with the strings and actual live string parts, which is really cool. And From time to time, and this is one of those times, Prince does that sort of stuff. He's done that. He's used that effect on different songs with drums. For example, he'll do a really cool Lindrum pattern, and then he'll play some acoustic drums over the top or underneath. So this is really cool. What else? What else? Vocal parts I've spoken about. They're really moving. Like, they're amazing, but they're also really moving. You really feel what he's singing. It's one of his best Smokey Robinson moments, I think, but... He takes it up another notch. Like Smokey can sing high, but Prince just kind of just eclipses him slightly, I think, in range. And, um, you know, I'm probably splitting hairs now but because they're both incredible singers, but the pedigree of vocal ability is really high. But the thing that I love about this the most when, when Prince sings this song is how playful he is. Like you never get the sense that he's trying. You always get the sense that he is like sitting in the vocal booth just experiencing this pure joy in singing this song like of devotion to towards his object of desire at the time. So great presentation, stunning range. Performance is like, you know, as the, our French friends would say, par excellence. Pretty melody, the passion's there, the guitar solo, you guys have spoken about all of that. It is an absolute stunning song. So that's my review of the song. Yeah. <laughs> 
that brings us to the end of this Peach and Black podcast episode where we have spent some considerable time talking about Prince's Night Album tracks as presented to you by Player, Toe Jam, Captain and Rob S. This has been the Peach and Black podcast. See you next time. 